Hey everyone, what the heck is mezzanine financing and how can we use it to buy uh, a business? Hey everyone, it's uh, David Barnett from davidcbarnett.com, the blog site, YouTube channel, iTunes and SoundCloud podcast where I talk about buying, selling, managing and financing small and medium sized businesses. This week I've got a message from Joe who wants to know about mezzanine financing. What the heck is it, first of all? and how can it be used to help buy a small or medium-sized business? So let, I, I've got some things here on my screen that I'm gonna show you. So let me uh, share my screen here. There we go. All right, so basically what you can see on the screen right now is a picture of a mezzanine. And you know, a mezzanine is like a sort of a half measure between a whole other floor it's not on the main floor, it's not a second floor, it's kind of halfway in between. And you find these in warehouses and offices and places like this. So, so why do we have a kind of financing that has the same name as this sort of thing? Well, let me go over here to Excel because I've kind of prepared a little bit of stuff here to show you. So this is a balance sheet and balance sheets are supposed to balance. So I put in some nominal figures here so we can relate and kind of understand what's going on in this in this imaginary company that I've created. So over here on the left-hand side, we have our assets. So assets on most balance sheets are divided into two different groups, what we call our current assets, which are assets that are cash-like or will be converted into cash within the 12 months. So our receivables will be collected within 12 months, our inventory should be turning over within 12 months. So these are the current assets, the, the things that are active in the business. And then we have our longer term assets, which are things that last longer than a year. So buildings, machinery, cars, trucks, that kind of thing would go into the fixed assets. And, and the reason why we have these is because there's all kinds of ratios and things we can look at to see what the short term viability or health of a business is. And on the other side of the balance sheet, we have our liabilities and our equity. So liabilities is the money that we owe, and typically as well, the liabilities are divided into two different groups. So we have our current liabilities, things that have to be paid within 12 months, and then the longer term liabilities, and these things line up with each other uh, as far as a financing or capital structure. So we've got accounts payable, we have lines of credit, we have taxes payable, we have you know current portion of the long-term debt. You will often see that accountants will will take the amount of the long-term debt that's due within the next year and they'll put it up into the current liabilities because we want to see what the short-term demand is going to be for cash in the business. And then you'll see here the accounts payable, you know, it, it lines up a little bit with cash and receivables, the lines of credit. This is three quarters of the receivables and half of the inventory, which is typical kind of terms for a line of credit in a business. The bank will lend you a certain amount on your receivables, a certain amount on your inventory, for example. And then we have some taxes payable, maybe some sales taxes that need to be remitted that just haven't been sent in yet. And we have our current portion of our long-term debt of two. Down here, we've got a mortgage, which is you know long-term liability. And this is $25. Our building is worth 30, right? So we have a high degree of financing on the building, which, which you can get on buildings. And then we have equipment loans and car loans totaling 13 and we have machinery over here totaling 20. So we've been able to borrow you know, about 65% of what our machinery and equipment is worth. So 
So basically, in a lot of these balance sheets, you're not going to be able to get 100% financing for a certain thing. So if you buy a new piece of machinery, it's, it's difficult if you go to a bank to get 100% financing. You might be able to get 100% financing through a lease, but you don't really own it in that case. The leasing company owns the thing and you only become the owner later on. So because we can't get 100% financing for everything that our business owns, there usually is this gap which has to be made up with money that we've actually invested. So this is the equity portion. So on this balance sheet, we have retained earnings of five. So this would represent profit from prior years of $5 that has accumulated in, in this company. And we have common stock of 20. So this is money that the shareholders put in. And then I've, I've added things on the side here. So all of the liabilities added up, add up to $75. And my equity adds up to $25. And the reason why I've put it this way is because I want to illustrate something. And, and if you divide both of these by 25, you end up with three to one. And so this shows that our debt to equity ratio is three to one. So for every $3 of debt, we have $1 of equity. The debt to equity ratio is what most lenders are going to look at to determine what the current health of the company's balance sheet is. If there's too much debt for the equity in the company, then the company becomes riskier. It's too highly leveraged. If you look at public companies, they might have a debt to equity ratio of one to one or two to one. They're going to have lower amounts of, of equity. They're going to have stronger balance sheets. A lot of small private companies, people are trying to leverage up as much as they can initially anyway. They could even have a higher debt to equity ratio. But the problem is it's harder and harder to get that really nice bank financing if your debt to equity ratio is out of whack. And when we buy a business, one of the things that the bank is going to want to see when they look at our, our proposal is they're going to want to see our opening balance sheet. What will the debt to equity ratio look like when we buy this business and start operating? And if there's not enough equity, we may not qualify for the loan. And I've, and I've mentioned this before in, in other videos. And we, I talk about it extensively in Business Buyer Advantage, uh, my online program of how to learn how to buy a business because there's a whole financing section in there where we talk about balance sheet ratios and how important they are. So, so why is mezzanine financing called mezzanine financing? Why does this name of this financing structure come from this weird sort of half building, half floor between the ceiling and the floor? Well, well here's why. is because mezzanine financing is meant to fit somewhere between debt and equity. And it's meant to have qualities of debt and qualities of equity and it's hoped, and we often count on the idea, that the lenders and other people looking at the balance sheet are going to agree that our mezzanine financing is a form of equity. And the reason for that is often we need the mezzanine financing to fill a gap so that we can qualify for the other really good debt, which is usually low interest rate debt secured over a long period of time. So let me slide this spreadsheet over here. So qualities of senior secured debt. So these would be mortgages, machinery loans, that kind of thing, is we have a fixed repayment. Your payment is X amount per month. There's security typically. So a mortgage has a lien on a building. A machinery loan would have a lien against the machinery and equipment. 
car loans against the car, et cetera. There's a defined amount due. So you borrow $100,000, you have to pay back $100,000 with interest and you pay interest on the loan. And one of the features of interest is that the interest is an expense to your company. So that money going out is taxed. It's, it's comes off your profit. So it reduces your tax burden. Okay. It's a taxable expense. Unsecured debt would be, again, there's a fixed repayment. Typically, um, there might be personal guarantees. There's a defined amount due. There's no security per se, but there's higher interest rates. So in a small business environment, think about your senior secured debt like a car loan or a mortgage, whereas think about your unsecured debt like a credit card or maybe um, a line of credit that isn't specifically secured against receivables or inventory, okay? And you're typically your interest rate is going to be a little bit higher on those. It could be a lot higher on in the, for credit cards, for example. So, and then we have equity. So what are the qualities of equity? Well, there's no par value. So I can buy shares in a company and just because I put in $10 for every share or $100 or $1,000 for every share has no guarantee whatsoever that the share will continue to be worth that amount of money. The value of the share is going to fluctuate depending on the value of the business. Okay. There's no security. If a corporation were to fail and be wound up, the people who hold the liens, the mortgage holders, the machinery and equipment loan holders, the secured creditors, they get paid first. And then any other debt holders will get paid next. And the shareholders will get paid last. Okay. So you're paid last in the event of a default. Um, equity investors demand a high rate of return. So if I'm going to invest money into the shares of a small business, I want a high yield. I want like 30, 40% rate of return. One of the biggest problems that I always run into when I'm talking with business buyers is they're not demanding a high enough rate of return on their own money, right? Or business owners who've been around for a long time, they paid down their debts in their business and they're earning next to nothing on their equity. It's a problem. Business is risky. You need a high rate of return on your money. So you, normally equity demands a high rate of return and equity gets paid dividends and dividends are not like interest. Dividends come out of the after tax free cash flow of the business and they flow out to the shareholders. So the mezzanine financing is between the two of them. So you, you pick things from column A, a little from column A, a little from column B, a little from column C. So, so here's an example of a mezzanine financing. It could be for a fixed amount, but if something goes wrong and the company can't pay back that amount, it converts into equity, okay? So, so the investors who invest in the mezzanine financing have a plan B. If things don't go right and you can't repay us, we become part of the ownership, okay? So typically there's no security. So it's much like equity. There's no security. Um, they're paid next to last in a default. So they come ahead of the common shareholders, but they become, they, they're behind all the other debt uh, providers. Um, Mid-range returns. So if you can borrow senior secured debt at three, four or 5%, and you can get lines of credit at eight or 9% interest, and your equity investors are demanding a 30 or 40% rate of return, the mezzanine people will be in the middle. So they're going to be demanding 12, 15, 18%. And I have seen in, in sometimes we're going to talk about what these different things are called, but a f one form of, of a kind of mezzanine financing would be like a cash flow loan. 
So there's no security, but it's at a higher interest rate, right? And, and it, while a cash flow loan is still debt, it starts to approach kind of what we're talking about when we're talking about mezzanine financing. Um, and then it's paid interest. So you have the tax advantages of paying interest unless it's converted into equity. Okay. So it's, it takes some of the aspects of debt and some of the aspects of equity, gives the investors a plan B, gives them a higher rate of return. So it's more expensive financing. Um, but the hope is that you get this money coming into your business while not losing control of your business because you're not giving up the common share ownership of the business. Um, and if the banks will consider it to be equity, then it means you have more access to the better debt, which is your senior secured debt. So it's often a gap filling measure where you have, you can borrow as much as you can, you put in as much as you can, and there's still a gap. So then you go looking for one of these mezzanine type things. So if I scroll over, mezzanine capital is sometimes called subordinated debt. It's sometimes called preferred shares. So if someone ever says to you, yeah, we're going to move forward with the deal, but we have to do some mezzanine financing to get it done. Then the very first thing you need to ask is, oh yeah, well, what are the terms? What's the device? What are the conditions? What are the subscription look like? Because this is such a general term, meaning some kind of financing that's kind of like debt, kind of like equity that other lenders will consider equity. It really doesn't tell you what any details as to, to how it works, right? And in fact, there is another term out there called toxic financing, which you may want to look up, which is a form of mezzanine financing where the terms and conditions are so onerous that the lenders basically, it's almost like they have a plan to end up owning the company anyway, because it's very easy for the business to fall behind on the terms and conditions and then to end up having that toxic financing turn into like an 80 or 90% shareholding. Okay. So we're, it's going to be sometimes called subordinated debt. It's going to be sometimes called preferred shares. There's other terms out there as well. And so we're going to have higher interest rates than normal debt. We're going to have sometimes what's called payable in kind options. So sometimes you might have something called a debenture where the interest isn't always paid out necessarily. Sometimes it accrues. So a payment in kind option would mean that if you can't afford to pay the interest this year, the interest can be added to the principal, okay? Which is kind of like a cumulative preferred share. So again, this is an equity-like feature of a debt instrument because we want other people to consider it to be equity. And then the last feature that we often find is convertibility, which means that the debt can be turned into equity. So these terms happen a lot in the mid-market and in the world of you know, like the publicly traded companies that are being taken over and made private by private equity groups. And the, one of the, one of the um, articles that I was reading uh, just before making this video, it often said that it's, it's often a, a form of financing that gets turned to when a subject company isn't big enough to access the high yield markets. What high yield markets means is junk bonds. So, you know, if, you, if you're familiar with Michael Milken and back in the 1980s, they were buying businesses using junk bonds. They were issuing bonds that had a high rate of return. And the key was they were only, they were only going to have them outstanding for a short period of time because they were buying companies, then splitting them up, reselling the parts, 
getting the money fairly quickly and paying off those high yield junk bonds. And so, I mean, if you're buying a business, like if you're buying a tire shop for a million dollars, you're not issuing junk bonds, right? You're, you're not going to go through all the hassle of prospectus and accessing markets and the, the amount of money that you're looking for isn't going to be big enough. So, so how can you use this idea in buying a smaller, medium-sized business? Well, it's going to come down to formatting investors or investments for people that you line up to help you buy a business. So I've kind of made an example here. So an, ex an example of a mezzanine financing in a small business acquisition would be something like this. Mr. Investor, you give me $25,000 to help me buy this business and I'll pay you a fixed dividend of 10% a year. But if I can't afford to pay it, the amount I owe will grow by the dividend amount. And if I can't pay you a couple of years in a row and the debt grows to $30,000, then I'll give you 50% of the business in exchange for the debt being forgiven. So, so that would be an example of a mezzanine financing for a small business acquisition where you find someone with money and you say, look, here's an opportunity. I'm a little bit short to, to buy this business. I need another 25 grand. You give me that money. I'll pay you 10% a year let's call it interest. And if I can't pay it one year because the cash flow is too tight, then we'll, we'll grow the amount by what I owe you. And then I'll pay interest on the interest. And if it grows too much and I just can't catch up, well, we're going to forgive the debt and you'll end up owning half the company. Right. And so we've got higher interest. We have uh, something that's going to be viewed as equity and not debt because the, the fact that the uh, payment every year becomes cumulative you don't have to make the payment if the business isn't doing well. That's the key that the bank is looking for. So one of my good friends who spent 30 years as a commercial banker, whenever he saw a business acquisition or some kind of financing and he saw that the buyers were using preferred shares, the very first thing he wanted to know is give me a copy of the subscription agreement. I want to know the terms and conditions of those preferred shares. Because if the preferred share agreement said, that the people had to be paid every year their dividend or interest regardless of what happened, he wouldn't count it as equity. He would say, no, there's a cash flow demand on these instruments. They're acting like debt. We're going to treat them like debt. And that would often throw off the debt to equity ratio requirement in the deal. And he would end up declining the loan. But if the preferred share said that the payment was cumulative, meaning that if the company couldn't afford the cash, it became a dividend payable to those shareholders and it could accrue year after year, just grow this liability. Then there wasn't a, a cash flow demand that had to be met. Then he, in his opinion, he would say, yeah, this is acting like equity. I'll count it as equity. So in my example, the whole cumulative part, the payment in kind feature shows that there isn't a cash flow demand if the business can't make it. And then the last function is convertibility. So if I end up can't, and I can't pay you and I get so far behind that it's unlikely I'll ever be able to catch up because things aren't going well in the business, well, then you're just going to have to forgive the debt and I'll give you half the shares and you become a half owner of the company. And so that would represent convertibility. So this, in a nutshell, is how you could apply this mezzanine capital idea, which normally exists in the world of mid-market or, or bigger companies when when private equity groups are trying to make deals, but this is how you would apply it to small business. And Joe, 
I hope that answers your question. And if you guys have any other questions or comments, please put them down below or send me an email. I love to answer your questions. And uh, if you want to learn how to buy a business, you should be signing up for Business Buyer Advantage, my online program, which you can find at businessbuyeradvantage.com. And once you've done that, of course, you can join my group coaching program, Business Buyer Adventure. And uh, there's already people in the group that are getting ready to start making offers on businesses. So with that, we'll see you later and we'll talk to you next week.